Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We will continue to work with our allies uh, and work directly uh, with uh, China to ensure that they understand that we are a country of the rule of law uh, and that we will allow our legal processes to unfold independently, while at the same time we will always stand up for Canadians and continue to. What we are always focused on is doing things that are going to help the Canadians being detained, uh, that will continue to help uh, Canadians in difficulty overseas. That's the lens that we take whenever we make decisions on what to do in the case, and that will not change. What are you talking about? That is just a bunch of word salad. In other words, I'm not prepared to do anything because I'm a big old wimp. And what a what a mess the the China file is. I mean, the whole thing is just an absolute mess. Yeah, we learned today that two Canadian men detained and tortured for months by the Chinese government now, just now, are formally charged with stealing state secrets. This is not a small thing. This is a crime in China punishable by the death squad. And, of course, the trial will be a joke. They've already determined the guilt of these young men. And it's all being done as a retaliation against the arrest of Huawei Princess Meng Wanzhou, the woman who shops all day, sleeps comfortably in her B.C. mansion and who just had her bail conditions eased. And the Chinese government, I mean, they literally have us by the jewels with this thing. They know that they're dealing with a feckless government. They know that they can, you know, punish Canada for, you know, this fight between the United States over trade. They know they can come at us over Huawei, the arrest of one of their own. So they're, they're, And that they can crush us on things like trade, canola. And arresting Canadians, look, it could get a lot worse because just uh, Wednesday, the Trump administration filed charges against Huawei and banned the 5G network and pretty much warning allies they better follow suit or they're not doing business with the United States, which I think puts uh, Mr. Trudeau in a very tricky corner because he doesn't want to make a decision. John Robson writes for the National Post. You can read his columns there. He's also the executive director of Climate Discussion Nexus. Good to have you, John. we got quite a mess on our hands when it comes to China. Two men now facing the death squad, should they be found guilty on these charges, uh, that are very political in nature and a government that does not seem to have a clue of what they should do. Yes, and in partial fairness to them, it's not immediately obvious what you do do when uh, superpower with nuclear weapons and a tyrannical government decides to behave nastily toward your citizens in its country, your options are quite limited. But at the same time, I think the government and people outside the government, too, are very much to blame because we've been deceiving ourselves for years Mm -hmm. about the nature of China's regime. Yeah, we're a little, uh, I guess we've been so nice thinking that that would be the approach to work, and now we're getting bulldozed by them because they're so manipulative, and clearly they they don't follow any rule of law. Yeah, and, and there's a piece in today's National Post by Terry Glavin where he 
says, and I think absolutely rightly, that after China was ostracized following the Tiananmen uh, massacre, it was Canada under Jean Chrétien that began the process of reintegrating them into polite society with this huge foreign trade mission, 400 executives, two cabinet ministers, every premier except Jacques Parizeau. And you've seen this a lot with Canadians uh, chattering classes saying, ha ha, America's in decline. China's the rising power and China likes us. So ha ha, down with you, America. Which reminds me of Saruman in The Lord of the Rings telling Gandalf, you know, the old alliances have failed. The West cannot stand against the new power rising in the east but if we should succeed in gaining its ear we can make out like bandits and the, the punchline as gandalf understood very well is that uh, you would not in fact be well served by your new friends when they didn't need you anymore and the chinese government of course one thing about tyrannies is they don't really understand the world They don't understand the free societies. They don't even understand their own society. And so they're now, they're behaving very, very obnoxiously, thinking, well, they have no choice but to bow down. And we're going, wait a minute, what? We're being bullied. And we're getting increasingly determined to stand up to them. And they're thinking, well, don't you know who we are? And the answer is, well, we're starting to. Yeah, that's why we're we're pushing back. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, don't go to China and do business because, you know what, they will take you hostage and they will, you will disappear into their prison system and they will torture you, they will murder you, they will do all kinds of terrible things to you if they feel like it. And there will be nothing anybody can do. And what are we going to do, invade China? Right. And it's not like we can lean on our friends uh, in the United States or anybody else. We're on our own in this fight. We have no ambassador on the ground. We don't really, to my knowledge, have any game plan. You know, they're killing us with canola. They're, they're, you know, they're coming up with ways to punish us because they're angry with Mr. Trump. They're irritated with Mr. Trudeau. But at the very root of this, there's two men who very well, you know, the question of, presumption of innocence doesn't exist there. So they will, I think, fairly to say, be found guilty. And I don't know if our government can do anything. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even know what the American government could do. I mean, the Chinese are building this blue water navy. They're creating those artificial reefs. They're buzzing American ships. Mm -hmm. They're making outrageous demands. I mean, they're they're classic swaggering bullies. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got, you know, she's, Jinping, people aren't going up to him and saying, excuse me, I think you're doing this wrong. Like, this isn't a safe thing to do. Um, But whether these two Canadians are disappear forever into the Chinese prison system or are put on a plane back home, it will have nothing to do with whether they're guilty or innocent. It will have to do with whether the Chinese government decides to put the brass knuckles on or put the velvet gloves on. It's entirely political. And again, you need to understand that if you go and do business in China, this is where you're going to do business. It's, you know, it's like Stalin's Soviet Union. You might actually make money there. You might come home. You might not. But if you don't understand where you're going, you're being very, very reckless and not a little stupid. This is a hideously unpleasant regime that oppresses people by the millions, mm-hmm. right? And, and again, don't forget, China has a very large population. And so there's kind of a well, you know, what does it matter if we if we kill uh, 10,000 people? That's a drop in the bucket, which they think for over Tiananmen Square, there may have been as many as 10,000 killed. And now, of course, when you can't access Wikipedia, right, you can't even Google the date on which Tiananmen happened. Right. Um, 
And and so most Chinese have this vague sense that there was some terrible Western plot that was foiled on that date, and they don't know the details, and they don't want to know them. Um, so, you know, what are you meant to do? You can't appeal to public opinion. You're appealing to the Chinese government. It's like appealing to Stalin. Yeah. Oh, you're such a nice man, Mr. Stalin. Would you please let so-and-so go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not going to happen. And and interestingly, you know, just last night, uh, Donald Trump's, you know, signed this executive order uh, banning the 5G network, uh, you know, Huawei, and, and filing these charges against them, which puts Trudeau in a very kind of dangerous uh, predicament, because he's going to have to make a decision. Are we on our allies' side, or are we going to go with China? And again, that would be pandering to China, but again, if, he's, if he votes against Huawei and, and puts that thing to rest, then these two men very well could disappear. Yeah, and so you have to say, first of all, are you going to allow your foreign policy to be dictated by a Chinese gun to two people's heads? And the answer must be no, uh, without any lack of sympathy for these people. If, if you just if you send a signal, we will allow you to get into the Five Eyes vital communication systems. If you just grab two of our people and give them the shakedown, then, you know, you're obviously you're so unreliable that that your allies will have to cut you out of information exchanges. I mean, we let Huawei into our communications backbone, and and the Chinese government will be reading our mail forever. Apparently, they're doing it with under these cables as well. Um, but part of the problem is if if you really seriously does Justin Trudeau know who our allies are, right? His attitude towards Fidel Castro was not feigned. He really liked Castro. Mm-hmm. He thought he was a great leader. He doesn't, I don't know, one class American president, maybe he thought Barack Obama was a great leader, I don't know. But but it's not as though Justin Trudeau secretly knows all this, but it plays well on the stump to pretend he doesn't. His geopolitical sense, like that of his father, is is absurdly poor. Remember Trudeau going to the Soviet mm-hmm. Union saying, yeah, we live under the military domination of the United States, and oh, you have a federal system like ours. Um, or thinking Reagan was a warmonger and Brezhnev was a man of peace. Th- this wasn't some affectation. That's really how Trudeau Sr. saw the world. I think Trudeau Jr. is the same way. Remember, he admired China's yep. dictatorship because they could turn on a dime on, on the environment. If you knew about China's environmental record, never mind their their political record, you'd never say such a thing because you'd know you were about to put a pie in your own face. Right, but, uh, but it also can turn on a dime against uh, Canadians and take them hostage or, you know, cancel canola uh, shipments. They can do whatever they want. So now Trudeau is understanding how naive he was on that ladies' night when he said that, I guess, what he thought was a very smart uh, comment. But then you bring in this, you know, this bigger geopolitical picture. You've got America now saber-rattling over going to war with Iran. And, of course, China backs Iran. And, you know, it's it's an ugly world we're living in right now. Yeah, we should get some armed forces, I can't help thinking, because <laughs> uh, they come in handy in, an, in a turbulent world, and the world is looking pretty turbulent. Canada has a proud record of being hor- horrendously unprepared for war. You know, in 1939, we had soldiers drilling with sticks shouting bang. We really did. We had something like six tanks. Um, just, well, what's, what's Hitler to us, you know, in World War, again, World War One, we, we were completely unready. We were even unready for Korea, five years after World War Two. It was at David Berkerson's line when the U.N. Secretary General said, help, the North has invaded the South, everybody come and, and do something. Berkerson said it was an invitation to a come-as-you-are party, and Canada was naked. And here we are again, spending less than 1% of GDP on defense in this high-tech world, and we're so pleased because we bought a supply ship, although we also should have ruined the man's career over it. But in terms of buying fighter planes, there's sort of a plan to have a plan five years down the road. Um, 
What are we going to do if China attacks Taiwan? If they think their hypersonic missiles can sink American aircraft carriers and the Americans won't dare use nuclear weapons on them, or, you know, if they're supplying Iran with the material to make long-range rockets to put nuclear warheads on, and we're like, oh, we're not joining ballistic missile defense. So that's just so ugly and American. I mean, it's it's not just Trudeau who's not serious. We, we really in this country need to understand that we, if we're planning to do anything, even with our allies, we need capabilities we currently aren't even working on. But in the meantime, we've got to tell the Chinese, you know what doesn't work with us is threats. Yeah. We must be like, the, the, what Trudeau should do is say, fine, Huawei is not getting into the Canadian market, and that's final. Now, do you want to see what else we've got? Because your economy is a piece of junk. And ours is not. Yeah, the paper dragon, as many call it. Well, if you're a betting man, then, uh, how do you see the next... Uh, is this a long-term thing? Is this, like, for years? Or do you see this kind of changing with the change of government, if we were to get one in the fall? I think it depends on the Chinese government realizing that what they're doing is playing badly. And I think it will sink into them that it's playing badly. I think they're probably getting enough back from their people in Canada. And they don't forget, they have a huge network of spies and influence here, these patriotic associations that go after, you know, student leaders who defend Tibet and that sort of thing. We'll be told, you know, for some reason, the weak and decadent foreigners are not giving in to our brilliant threats. So why don't you let these two go as a goodwill gesture? But whatever happens, the real issue isn't do these two people get out or not, important as it is to their families and friends and them. The real issue is do we recognize that China is an aggressive tyranny trying to upset the status quo Mm -hmm. and that we must treat them as the most significant enemy of freedom in the world? Uh, was somebody I heard recently disparaging call Russia, said Russia's become a gas station for China. What a fate. <laughs> Russia's still dangerous. But China is the biggest menace in the world. And you look, yeah, they're backing Venezuela. They're backing Iran. Everywhere in the world that something really nasty is happening, the Chinese are there, the Chinese government helping make it happen. So we need a clear understanding of the geopolitics. And then we try to deal with the Chinese from a position of firmness. And if we can manage it, a position of strength. What a time to be living, John. It's uh, scary and fascinating all at the same time. John, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That is John Robson. Yeah, that's what we need now, an Iranian war. That would be good times.